Web3 with me is a discussion style podcast about the ins and outs of Web 3.0, hosted by Zach French, known as Off Edge in the verse. From crypto to NFTs, DAOs to DeFi, we cover the abstract philosophical promises and the new business models enabled in this new decentralized world. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or watch the show on YouTube. Thanks and enjoy. Zach French is a bar certified attorney and nothing expressed by Zach during Web3 with me shall be considered legal advice. All the opinions expressed by Zach and his guests are solely their own opinions. All content in Web3 with me is for informational purposes only. Zach and his podcast guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed during Web3 with me. Thanks so much for tuning in to Web3 with me. It is our mission here to educate, and we realize that some basics of Web3, like WTF is a digital wallet, might be helpful for you to know. We will be releasing a series of short videos on YouTube and Reels to help cover these high-level topics. We hope they're useful for us, and feel free to leave us feedback. My guest today is TJ Lasig. TJ is the co-founder and CEO of Own The Moment. OTM is a leading Web3 sports community with a focus on education via content and analytics and gamification via NFT fantasy sports. Prior to OTM, TJ worked 10 years in a variety of corporate digital marketing and tech roles, coached college hockey for six years, and was a semi-professional daily fantasy sports player. TJ and OTM are on a mission to bring Web3 to the masses, and sports is serving as the gateway. LFG, baby, let's start vibing. Welcome to the show, TJ. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. I've been super excited since we first talked about this conversation to get to dig in a little bit more to what you're doing and share it with people. Um, you've got some pretty cool visuals, which we can pull up at the at the right moment um, to kind of show it off a little bit. But um, the way I always like to start is by getting to know you a little bit better and letting my audience get to know you a little bit better and what makes TJ TJ. So uh, give me your founding story. Could be Web3 or it could be before that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Can uh, kind of go go through the the whole journey a bit, and then uh, to to present day where we have our company own the moment in the the Web three space, where we're doing a bunch of stuff around content and analytics for sports NFTs, and also some some gamification elements. So, yeah, in, in terms of myself, I have been a uh, sports fan my my entire life. Grew up playing sports. Was a big ice hockey guy. So played ice hockey growing up played ice hockey in college at Penn State and then actually coached college hockey at Drexel University for for a couple of years as well. So just kind of sports has always been in my blood. And then I would say the the other element is a knack for any kind of strategy game. So back, you know, when I was in middle school and high school playing just poker with my buddies in the basement to playing some online poker back when that was a thing. And then more recently, daily fantasy sports have been a big kind of DraftKings fan duels player for the past decade or so. And uh, I guess also all, th- all through that time, working kind of standard corporate jobs for the past 10 years, originally with Capital One, more recently with GlaxoSmithKline, variety of roles in digital analytics, digital marketing, product management, uh, so really a lot of, a lot of tech-focused stuff, building websites and all of that kind of led to to a moment last January where I first discovered NBA Top Shot for the first time, and it was kind of the the perfect culmination of of everything I liked about sports and potential like gamification, investing, gambling, whatever you want to call it, combined with like. I was wondering if you were avoiding the word in. gambling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I I I, t- I tend to, but like I mean, you yeah. Know, everything's a form of gambling in in one way or another right uh so you know i think that that like realistically that that's something that people like to gamble they like the chance to to put up some money and have that money turn into more money and uh you know it's always a a touchy term i would say in general but like it's a part of, of what we do uh most people i would say on on a daily basis so yeah discovered top shot instantly fell in love with it as a as a user and then that's kind of where where own the moment was born where me and my my buddy justin herzig who's my co-founder we're just talking we both were into top shot we had both been been big daily fantasy sports players 
And it was just like, hey, let's start a podcast where we're going to talk about this Top Shot thing because it seems seems pretty cool. Seems like other people are going to think it's cool too. And uh, that's that's where things began. And then it has since turned into a, a, a lot more and a ton has happened over the past 18 months. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get into all of that. But yeah, that's that's kind of where the journey began and then and then where on the moment began and we can uh, kind of take it from there. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I do. There are a few things I want to unpack. I I have always been fascinated with the mindset, the psychology of someone who can succeed in speculative asset trading uh, in in fantasy sports. Uh, it's it's not an everyday person. It's not someone who's who's necessarily beholden to their emotions, or at least maybe they're just very conscious of their emotions. So I guess what were your kind of unlocks? And I mean, obviously, you got enjoyment out of it, but you're also good at it, weren't you? So like, what was the mindset that you had there? Were there certain mental models or frameworks that you used without getting into like the deep analytical stuff, like on a high level? What, what were you what were you thinking when you were going through and, and participating? Yeah, it's a great question and definitely agree that not everyone has has that type of mindset. And for me, I think it's it's really this this concept of like detaching a decision making process from, you know, the results of that decision. And I think a lot of these games, if you will, where they're speculative in nature uh, lead to honing that that type of mentality and that type of of thought process and really it's kind of unlocking this this notion that like you can make a good decision that has a bad outcome and it doesn't mean that the decision was incorrect right whereas i would say that 90 plus percent of people probably even more 99 percent of people look at like evaluating a decision based on well was the result good or bad if the result's bad then obviously it was a bad decision right And, uh, you know, I think poker is probably the, the like most intuitive way to start to understand that thought process. Right. Because once you've played poker long enough, you see like, oh, I could get pocket aces against pocket Kings. And like, it's a 80% favorite or or, or whatever it is. But like, that means that 20% of the time, two times out of 10, it's not going to work. Right. And like, people just inherently think like, oh, if something is, is greater than 50% chance, then they think that that means every time it should work out. And that, that is obviously not the case. And, you know, I think once you've, you've kind of played some of these different games for long enough and you've been on the winning side and the losing side, right? Like you've made good decisions that turned out poorly, or you make plenty of bad decisions and then you get rewarded for them because they work out, right? Those are almost and, more and, dangerous, I feel yeah. like. <laughs> oh, 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 100%. Because if it works out, you're, you're, the instinct is to look at yourself That's and be me. like, oh, I'm a genius. I knew that was, was going to happen. Yeah, like, you know, we, we like to take credit for the things that work out in our favor and then we like to uh, discredit blame yeah. everywhere for <laughs> things that don't work out in our favor. And uh, it's, it's natural, it's human to do that. But yeah, I would say playing a variety of these games over a long stretch of time has uh i've been through a ton of different situations again on the the winning side on the losing side and you know i feel like i have a a good uh way of evaluating decisions and, and making best decisions but like also just being aware of like even when you know I'm making a decision that i think is a good one but it doesn't mean that i know that it is but all we can do is is take all the information that we have, kind of calculate the the high level odds of what are the chances of this being good or being bad and then and then go with it from there. So uh yeah, it's I I really, you know, some of these games get like a negative stigma, but I think it's one of the the best ways to learn is through through that experience and uh you know, putting your own money on the line makes you really really learn too. And if that like, doesn't help just, you learn, then yeah. <laughs> yeah. got bigger yeah, problems. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, the the person that kept coming to mind when you were talking is Annie Duke. I don't know if you ever follow Annie yeah, Duke. Th- but thinking in vets, her yeah. book. Is a, I mean, I, yeah, I read that book. It's a great, it's a great book. And and yeah, it it you know she talks a lot in that book about taking the philosophies from a game like poker, but applying them to like real world real world decisions and. I think I saw this on like a TED talk or someone somewhere, but I think it, I, I don't think it's my own example, but like 
getting a parking ticket or speeding is like a, an example of that, right? Like people drive over the speed limit all the time. And to me, that's just, that's basically a calculated risk of like, okay, well, how far above the speed limit am I going to drive? What are the chances of me getting pulled over for that? If I get pulled over for that, what are going to be like the ramifications? And then it's just like, okay, like I'm going to decide to either speed or not speed based on all of that. And it's just like, you know, you're taking a chance every time. And most of the time you're not going to get pulled over, but when you do, it's just like, okay, well, I guess I knew that there was a percentage chance of that happening. And I chose to accept that percentage chance. And like, yeah, maybe I got unlucky that the, the low the low outcome hit, but sometimes that just happens. Man, I, I, I can't help but put myself in the chair. And I'm like, if I really don't want to get pulled over, I'll usually do nine over. If, I want, if I'm on a road trip, yeah. I might hit 14 because if I do get pulled over, I don't get points. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, it's all, you know, it's all, it's all calculation. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, you don't have to get super mathematical about it, but I think understanding no. that that high level is is super important, and then it really trickles into to every aspect of life if if you want it to. I think most people just choose to uh, not think about things on on that level of depth, and you know, just again judge it based on whatever the outcome is, and and that's fine. But oh, I got unlucky because I got pulled level. over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I exactly. was totally going to win that. Cop. Yeah, that daily fantasy sports league. If I had like done more than ten minutes of research, you know, like <laughs> was there Always. actual logic behind it? Or were you just trying to intuitively pick players? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And hey, if you want to just intuitively pick players, like that's fine. Yeah, but, but there's no way to... that there's other people that are doing a lot more than that. And you're going to yeah. be at a disadvantage. And rem- hey, you can get lucky. And that's great. I remember reading the first, uh, when I, I got into it for a little while and, uh, reading the first article about the first, per- I think it was one of the first public people that had developed software around it. And they were making $2 million a year playing uh, daily fantasy sports baseball. And I was just like, all right, let's go. There are analytical models that can be built that help you win this stuff. And I had spreadsheets for a while and, and all that. It was, it was, it was interesting. Uh, I've actually come to find out through that, through stocks, through NFTs that I'm not actually great at that. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Like now, you know, I, I don't necessarily participate in that way anymore. Uh, I could change my thinking or I could just be comfortable where I'm at, you know, uh, I'm a very emotional person. I, I, in fact, on my third podcast, I cried. You know, you never know when I'm just going to let out these strong emotions. <laughs> Sometimes you got to just let let the emotions uh, uh, let the emotions go. Let them let them lead the way. Yeah. But uh, yeah. so so the the other half of you during this experience is doing a combination and or uh, of of digital marketing, product management. Uh, I come from a tech background. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of understand what's necessary there, but what what skills were you learning along the way uh, in that in your professional career that was helping kind of like build towards this entrepreneur founder uh, mentality? Yeah, I think for, for first and foremost is kind of the the analytical mindset and, and starting with that as the foundation. And again, that, that's kind of shown in my hobbies and kind of side gigs over the years. But my first job out of college was uh, with Capital One in what they call their analyst development program. So back then, I think there were like 220 of us fresh out of college that uh, we all moved down to Richmond, Virginia, or the majority of us in Richmond, Virginia. So that was a really cool experience just because it was uh, a bunch of like-minded people that were all in the same life scenario of leaving college, ending up in you know a somewhat random city of, of Richmond, but a lot of people that you know were instantly able to be- become friends with and, and learn from. And my first role was was in digital analytics, learning how to use things like Adobe Analytics, Google Analytics, learning how to understand when people come to a website, what do conversion rates look like, getting into A-B testing and things of that nature, test, you know, working with the design teams to test different creatives, test different messaging. And again, that that like analytical backbone of like decision making and using data to at least make your your best guess as to what may happen. And so just just again had always kind of had that mindset but getting some like professional training and experience on that was was super helpful and that's what I spent the majority of my time at, at Capital One doing and then when I moved on to to my next job at GlaxoSmithKline in the pharma space, I was managing and leading a, an engineering team. So moved kind of from the 
the analyst side to more of the the product side and and managed a team for the first time, had a team of 12 engineers. We would do all of the analytics implementations and some of the product experiences on our websites. And, you know, really for me, it was learning how to be a leader and manage different people and manage different stakeholders and really understanding that at, at the end of the day, like most things is, is just a people game, right? It's about understanding the, the different people that are surrounding you, understanding their strengths, their weaknesses, what interests them, what doesn't interest them. And, you know, using all of that to be like, okay, well, let's accept that, you know, these people are who, who they are as humans, first and foremost, and how can we work within those parameters to kind of get the highest performing team based on the, the skill sets and the personalities that we have. And that's always been a, a big thing for me in my, my previous professional career. And then I was also, I mentioned briefly, but was a, a hockey coach mm-hmm. that was huge in, in coaching as well like looking at the players that you have, what are their, again, strengths, weaknesses, who works well with who, who needs, you know, different kinds of support or different kinds of communication and coaching. And all of that to me has been kind of the the perfect storm of backgrounds and experiences that, that led me to where I am today and kind of taking this entrepreneurial journey and starting my, my own company, leading my own team, hiring a team, and uh, just, just constantly learning every single day, which is another big thing, like having, having a learning mindset and like sometimes the, the smartest thing you can do is acknowledge that you don't know everything and like no one knows everything and don't claim to be the person that knows everything because spoiler alert, you don't actually know what you think, you know? And second spoiler alert is people don't like someone that thinks that they know everything because uh, people like to be the one to know things. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's great, man. That's that's timeless advice, and it's it's funny. You know, I skipped over your sports career, which I should not have, but you know, it it sounded like that was really the the foundations of of both playing and coaching sport just carried on through your professional career and all your side gigs and everything. And that's uh, that's really cool to hear. I I'd love to kind of segue now to own the moment. Um, so, you know, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, feel free to show some visuals, just be a little bit more descriptive in the visuals because some people do just listen. So for sure. Yeah. So, so own the moment, we are a a web three sports platform that consists of education through content and analytics. So on our website, otmnft.com, we have the, the number one analytics platform for both NBA top shot and NFL all day. So for those that maybe aren't familiar, those are the the two uh, products from Dapper Labs that are officially licensed by, respectively, the NBA and the NFL, where people can own officially licensed digital collectibles and moments from those sports. And so what what we do is provide information on the the market and how things are performing so people can just get high-level view of like price tracking over time. For example, um, you can value your own collection. So we have a proprietary algorithm that pulls in all of the past transactions and kind of takes by serial number what is the value of a particular moment. So you can use that to, to place the value on your collection. You can also use that to use our what is called our sniper tool to find deals on the marketplace. Basically, we help people identify where there's a, a divergence between the listing price and the price that we value it as. And then um, also some some elements of in Top Shot and in All Day, there's these things called challenges, which is a, a big part of the product where essentially you need to own a, a set number of moments. And if you own all of those, you complete the challenge, which then earns you some sort of reward. And that reward could be a free pack. It could be a special reward that is only eligible to be received for people that complete the challenges. And uh, yeah, really the the kind of the original mission of Own the Moment that has not changed is this idea of education in Web3. I mean, the stuff is, it's new, it's complicated, it's scary, frankly, for most people. Yeah. And I think that what we've really seen over the past year and a half is, is that there is a problem statement around Web3 being difficult to to get started in and then stay involved, right? Like I think there's plenty of people that maybe bought one or two NFTs, whether it be Top Shot or something else over the past year and a half, but then they haven't stayed engaged 
with that universe, right? And and why don't they stay engaged? To me, it's it comes down to this idea of education, this idea of gamification, which we can get into. Like once I own these NFTs, what the heck do I do with them? Mm-hmm. Like what keeps me coming back to the platform? And then you know the the ultimate Web three buzzword, but community, I, I do think actually is really a, a big part of this. And it's how can I become a, a part of this digital community of of like minded folks and really have other people to enjoy the uh, the experience with. So that's kind of the the core of the analytics platform. And yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll share my screen here just to kind of quickly yeah. walk through some stuff for those that maybe are watching on video. Uh, if you're on audio, we can can talk through it too. Yeah, and, and uh, for those that are on audio, I'll include a link in in the show notes so that you can take a look for yourself. It's it's cool. it's interesting. You've got this. Um, you've taken the core idea of what being like more intelligent about your portfolio, and then you're 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 lump, you're lumping in education and gamification in order to make sure that people are optimizing, right? Like you're you're enabling them too, which is a really cool thing. I mean, there's those 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 barriers to entry. I think pretty much ring true, uh, the technical barriers, the security barriers, mm-hmm. and then the idea that you're too late, right? Like that, that everybody who was really early to top shots got all of the gains, right? And you're kind of like bringing that back to reality and you're saying, well, no, actually like there's still a lot of participation here and these are ways you can participate. So excited to see it. Cool. Yeah. So, so here's our, our website again, for anyone listening, it's otmnft.com. Within that, we have multiple products. We have our our all day and our top shot analytics platforms, and so you can you know just kind of see here general market movement, what what's kind of been increasing or decreasing over the course of the past day. We've got the the challenges that I I mentioned. So here's a a challenge that is live right now, where there's what four moments that you need to complete or four requirements that you need to hit in order to complete the challenge. So we just show people, you know, you, you log in, you connect your account, you verify your collection, and then we are able to show you what is your progress against the challenge? How much more would it cost you to complete that challenge? And, you know, we're, we're not here to spoon feed people on the exact decision to make, but more so just provide that transparency and provide them with all the information they need to make their own decision. So that based on their collection, based on their goals, based on everything that they're trying to accomplish, you know, what's the, the best strategy for them. And then we have, sorry, did you have a question there? Yeah, no, I was going to say that um, the uh, one of the barriers that you touched on that, that people have is that like, and that I talk about on almost every show is uh, it's like drinking from a fire hose to participate in the space. And you're basically like making, you know, tightening the nozzle a little bit, if you will, to continue with the analogy where, you know, I can I can decide to drink out of this fire hose and it's going to be a lot easier for me to consume uh, if I am in own the moment as opposed to trying to like get on to, you know, NBA top shots every single day. Uh, and that's absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there's such a there's such a wealth of information out there. And so you know, our job is to make it easier for collectors by taking the information that's out there, aggregating it in a way that makes it easy to digest and easy to understand, and then presenting it to people of like, hey, here, here are the things that matter. And then from there, people can, you know, des- decide to use the tools however they see fit. And yeah, I mean, it, it it's, I, and I, I me, me and the team talk about this all the time, but it's like, we're so far down this rabbit hole and so far in this little bubble of like, oh, we know what the challenges and the leaderboard and the playbook and all of these like super niche things, right? Like mm-hmm. they may be second nature to us, but like 99.9% of people doesn't mean anything to them. And so, you know, we, we have to kind of take off the, the hat of someone who's been in the space for a month and, or a year and a half and be like, okay, if I'm a new user joining literally today, like what are the things that I need to know so that, because I think we've seen a lot of, you know, the problem has been a lot, a lot of people's experiences. Okay. Maybe I sign up, I deposit a hundred bucks. I spend a hundred bucks and buy some moments that I think are cool. And then like the next day it's worth 90 bucks. And then the next week it's worth 60 bucks. And then I'm like, my experience. yeah, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> Wait a minute. Like, I just spent a hundred bucks. Now it's worth 60. I don't even understand why this happened. Like, eh, okay. This is clearly not fun. Like I'm out. Yeah. And 
you know, I, I, I would venture to guess that there's a lot of people that sometime in the course of 2021 or 2022 had that exact experience. And it's because they, they weren't informed. They didn't even know where to go to get informed. And I think this element of gamification is, is key too, especially in the sports NFT world. I think it's, it's such a natural fit. And so what I mean by gamification is really the idea of having something to do with your moments once you own them. Right. So, so we saw kind of the first steps of this in the the sports NFT space with NBA top shot and with those challenges that, that I mentioned Um, we've seen it with now NFL all day has released this thing called the playbook where every single week that it's essentially like a set of tasks that you can choose to complete. And for every task that you achieve, you can get different levels of yards. Mm -hmm. So like tying back to football, right? So it could be like, Oh, if I, you know, I log into my account and I get two yards. So each day that I log in, I get two yards. Great. Nice and simple. Like don't even have to spend any money. Easy to accomplish. And then it's like, okay, there's different challenges that I can complete throughout the weekend. If I complete the challenge, I get 15 yards or, you know, I sign up for getting queue for the pack. And then that's worth five yards, like all these different things, um, which I think has been, been really, really cool. And I also think it's a, it's a perfect fit for the NFL just because the NFL has this inherent weekly schedule, weekly nature to it, especially for people that are into fantasy football and things like that. Right. It's like, you know, on Tuesday, you're hitting the waiver wire for your season long leagues on, you know, Wednesday, you start to look at your DraftKings or FanDuel lineups for daily fantasy sports. You've got the Thursday night game. You've obviously got the games on Sunday. You're setting your lineups and you're watching the games. And NFL all day has really done a nice job of of slotting itself into the weekly experience of, of a football fan. And we've seen people who like are watching the NFL differently as, as a result of it, which has been, been so, so cool. And then the other thing that, that we have done from a gamification standpoint is last year, we, we launched this game called the owner's club, which was the first web three fantasy football game. And so how, how that worked was that people would buy NFTs, buy packs of NFTs. Uh, they were, would be reflective of, of a city and a position in football. So you could get like the Philadelphia wide receiver NFT and then once you own that, you could enter it into our free entry contests. Mm-hmm. And then you score points according to that entire position group. So it wasn't tied mm-hmm. to one single player. Instead, you play Philadelphia wide receiver. You'd be getting credit for A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, the whole the whole cast of, of wide receivers. So it was kind of cool in a way that you don't need to worry about injuries or backup running backs getting touchdowns. So that was a fun, fun, simple way. But it was also just like this test of a new way to play fantasy sports where there's a marketplace and you're buying and selling Mm. and like you actually own these assets and you can use them in a game, which, which I think is, is super cool. And like that idea of utility and gamification, right? Like it's cool to own these, you know, pictures of JPEGs, but then like, but then what, what do I do after that? uh, Other than sit around and, and see if the price is going up or down. And I, I think, we saw a lot of that in the past year, and we're seeing that wave has has kind of gotten gotten shaken out. And it's like, all right, this this world of like, I'm buying this JPEG, and I think that it's going to become my retirement fund. Is that I'm going to sell this picture to someone else in the future for more money? Uh, I don't know why the NFT space ever became that, but like, I'm happy that it's becoming clear that that's not. <laughs> what Web three is supposed to be about, and that's not the future here. But I mean, one of the problems is that that's that's a lot of people's perceptions of of what is happening, and like those are the no headlines. Interest. Yeah, those are the headlines, and like people don't have an interest of digging even half of a layer deeper beyond that. They they see the headline, you know, they see NFTs and crypto are you know a scam or whatever. Most of the headlines only come when things are either like outrageously good or like outrageously bad. That's what evokes and, the most emotion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it makes sense that that's been the headlines, and uh, you know, I think if anything, I've learned over the last eighteen months that this is not this is not an overnight thing. It never should have been an overnight thing, and people that are are building for five, ten, twenty years from now, like that's that's what it, what it's really about, and 
this education aspect, this gamification aspect, like to me, that's what, what takes things to the next level and gets things more mainstream and, and gets mass adoption going. And that's also why I'm just super bullish on sports NFTs in particular, because it just makes the most sense, the most natural transition. Like we think about the, the normal life of a, of a sports fan historically, like collectibles has always been a part of it, right? People collect sports cards, game worn jerseys, assigned football, like you name it, right? Like that's inherently something that has been part of being a sports fans, fantasy football, fantasy sports in general has been a thing for, for multiple decades, all the way back from the day of like pen and paper and looking at rankings and magazines through the internet boom, through the daily fantasy boom. And now this like world of, of web three fantasy football. And then, and then that community aspect, like sports has always been community driven. Like you go to the bar with your buddies to, to watch your favorite team play. You go to a tailgate, you go to a game, you go to a Super Bowl victory parade, right? Like this idea of enjoying sports with people that have the same interests of you. Now we're just able to take that into a, a more digital world. And I think we talked about this offline before the conversation but like the way of the world now is just like people legitimately have friends that they've never met in person and and maybe never will meet in person and they make these friends over the internet whether it's in discord or twitter or whatever that may be and like that has happened the pandemic kind of escalated the the timeline of that happening but it's going to continue and it's not stopping anytime soon so you know i I think really what web3 has allowed is, is taking all those elements that are inherent in the life of a sports fan and just bringing them more digital and this technology allows that to be possible yeah no we did talk i I love that aspect and then the the coolest part the reason that it's growing so much in my opinion is because there's such a strong connection formed when you start off just text chatting with people right and you know nothing other than what they're typing there's no looks that you're worried about where they come from, you know, where they're located. Like none of that is factored in. It's purely the interest in the conversations that you have, which there's like a raw connection that's built there. And then when you meet in person, it's like, can I hug you? Right? Like, like <laughs> this is awesome, right? You just take it to that next level. And one of the other things we did talk about offline was the idea that uh, successful games in general Uh, could be modeled after sports in the sense that you can participate in being a sports fan for effectively zero dollars. You could, I mean, your cable bill, right? Maybe the beers or the food that you share. Um, But then if you decide that you want to be a different level of sports fan, you can play fantasy sports. You can start to go to the games, right? You can start to invest in that. And because that you have that kind of like free to play kind of model there, you can incrementally be a bigger sports fan. And then on top of that, once you are, there's a passion, right? It, you you ride or die with your team if you're a real sports fan. And like, that's the kind of stuff that the, you know, the buzzword community, like that, those are what communities are made of, right? Is a shared interest, right? And what blockchain is doing, blockchain technology, whatever you want to, however you want to word it, is it's kind of like bringing it together. Um, so it's, it's super cool to, to hear about that from how you guys are doing. Where is the owner's club now? Are you guys expanding that or, uh, how, where, what is the current state? Yeah. Yeah. So for the, for the owner's club, we have not launched this season just yet. We're, we're kind of working on the, the final kinks of that. We, we had some, some technical challenges over the, over the summer that, uh, kind of had to, to force us to shift strategies a bit. But that should be launching uh, sometime in the say, say in the next month or so. Um, in in the meantime, we've also created our new product called Rumble, which is a, a similar concept, but it's using the Dapper Labs NFL All Day moments. So every week we host a Rumble contest that's free to enter with ten thousand dollars in prizes uh, up for grabs, and anyone can play. You simply use the the NFL All Day moments that you own can create a lineup however you want based on, on what's in your collection. So if you own a Josh Allen NFL all day moment, you can play Josh Allen into your lineup. And that's been a, a really fun thing that we've seen. We've seen over, over 5,000 entries every single week so far this season. 
And, uh, you know, that that's, again, this idea of gamification uh, and, and creating like lots of little mini games is is something that that is really interesting to us. How do we keep adding different levels of utility to these moments so that it's it's more than just this <laughs> buy something and hope that the number goes up. But, you know, and I think that's that's one of the, the things with this space, right, is, is kind of that shift from. I'm doing this to try and, and strictly make money to I'm doing this because it's entertaining and because I'm, you know, enjoying the kind of game of it all. And, and that's to me where, you know, I think things are heading. I think another big shift is going to be once we get some of the, the digital tech stuff more integrated with the in real life experiences. I think that that's something that is inevitable. It's not to me, it's not a matter of if that happens, it's when. Mm-hmm. But I do think the when is, I mean, it's going to take time because A, this stuff is, is hard to like logistically and tactically and technically pull off. But then B, uh, as we've been talking about, it's about the, the world and the, the kind of culture of people being, being ready for that shift. Yeah. And as, as we've seen over the course of time and, and anytime there's something new, there's always going to be resistance. There's always going to be people questioning it. And then, you know, but then all of a sudden one day in five years, we're going to blink and people are going to be using blockchain every day and they're not even going to know it, which is no how idea. it needs to be, which yeah. is how it needs to be. I mean, it needs to be frictionless. Know. Yeah. Like, yeah, we, we, we sit there in the, in the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere and look at our phone and can, you know, within a second be on any website we want to be on. And like, mm-hmm. nobody thinks about like, wow, that's crazy. That's really difficult to pull off. Like, no, we just do it. I open my phone, I type something in and it's there. I don't think about why that happens or how that happens. And, you know, to me, that's, that's where the future of, of any technology always inevitably ends up. And that's, that's, what's really important in the web three space. And, and that's, it's also a lot of why we're at in the moment making a a big bet on the flow blockchain in particular from Dapper Labs because of that ease of, of onboarding. So for, for people that aren't familiar, flow is, is a, a blockchain that Dapper Labs. Uh, so basically Dapper Labs back in 2017 had kind of the first NFT project called crypto kitties. And which is basically like digital Tamagotchis in a way for anyone that's, <laughs> that's familiar with the, the old school Tamagotchis. But yeah, you'd like have this digital cat and you could like, I don't know, breed it or whatever. Breed it, feed it. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) nuts, right? Uh, But like it basically broke the Ethereum blockchain because it wasn't intended for such a scale of like microtransactions. And so they kind of use that as their use case for like, okay, this concept of NFTs and the the ERC-721 standard is like a thing that, that works, but it's not going to work on this kind of network, we need to actually go out and build an entirely different blockchain that, that is intended for more of this consumer level products and kind of these microtransactions. So they set out, they built the Flow blockchain. Flow is, is super easy from an onboarding standpoint because it's, you just need an email and, and a credit card, right? You don't need to worry about MetaMask wallets and private keys and, and, and all of that, which is a, a major barrier. And on top of that, they, they've got big brands like the NBA, like the NFL, like the UFC, La Liga, starting in, in sports, big brands that, that are going to bring consumers with them. And uh, yeah, so we've been kind of shifting our ecosystem to be fully centered around the flow blockchain for now. And yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see kind of how how things shake out over the next couple of years. And uh yeah, I mean, the thing that always gets me is like NBA Top Shot blew up way sooner than anyone was expecting it to. Yeah. Right. And so, like, <laughs> you put yourself in Dapper Lab shoes and you're probably like, all right, we've got, you know, five years to, to figure this out and, and get it mainstream. And then, like, five days later, it's like, oh shit, we got to figure it out now. <laughs> and, People are uh, trading these things for yeah. hundreds of thousands of yeah, dollars. Like, what's just happened? So, yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. But I, you know, I think sports and NFTs is just like, match made in heaven and uh it'll take some time but sports fans everywhere are going to be involved in the web3 space in one way or another yeah absolutely it's uh it's it's an interesting side uh that i have been exposed to a lot recently 
Uh, we both mutually know Brian Zwerner, um, who has just opened my eyes to this. I mean, I always knew the use case was there, but I've gotten to learn so much, right? Like just to, just to see that alignment uh, in flow, just flow keeps coming up, flow, flow, flow. So, you know, they're obviously doing something right over there. Um, they've definitely uh, wowed a lot of people. They've onboarded a lot of people. The sign in with Google, put in your credit card was super helpful on, on Top Shots in terms of like making it easy to use and not think about the fact that you are on the blockchain at all. Um, you know, there's, there's these recurring themes I keep hearing from you. I keep hearing education and gamification and, uh, we've talked about them uh, somewhat, but you know, one of my, my questions where I feel like these could integrate in is, you know, how are you going out there and getting customers? And then how are you keeping your customers happy, right? And keeping them engaged. Uh, do you have like certain strategies that you're, you're doing to make sure that people know about own the moment and all your ancillary projects? Yeah, that's 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 a great a great question and um, a good a good challenge to go after. I would say that the large 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 majority of our growth so far has been completely organic. So we're 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 right now not spending any money on paid marketing. Uh, kind of the the typical user journey is that a sports fan discovers NFTs through either Top Shot or NFL All Day, and then. You know, once you find those products, you're kind of inevitably going to find own the moment shortly after if you go that that next level deeper. So we've seen upwards of 65 percent of active Top Shot users use the the OTM platform. And then for for NFL all day, it's more like 80 percent. So it's uh, it's really become a, a key part in how you navigate this space. And I mean, frankly, Top Shot and, and all day have so much that they need to to worry about from just like a a product standpoint and, and a million different things that you know it, it's probably nice for them to to not have to worry as much about some of the education stuff because of platforms like ours there's a bunch of other awesome content creators out there that that we have have good relationships with that that have the same passion of of educating new users um so I, i'd say that at first but then I, i'd also say that it's you know w- you'd be surprised sometimes at, at people that don't know about us or, or at least don't know about all of our products is one thing that, that I've learned. And so we've, we've been much more intentional over the past couple of months of kind of cross selling within our platform. Uh, so like, you know, for example, you go to, you go to our website and you go to the all day analytics platform. Now we've got like banners that are advertising the rumble product where you can go and, and enter your, your rumble roster and use your NFL all day moments there. So really creating that that ecosystem um, would also say that just like organic search SEO has been a, a key driver for us. Uh, we've we've been around long enough now where you Google any terms around Top Shot and all day and we'll, we'll typically pop up right at the the top of the list there, which is great. So at least in the in the short to medium term, mm-hmm. I don't really view our job or our goal as converting someone to web three but it's more so once somebody has like to me I, that's more of like the dapper labs job right i mean they, they've got the hundreds of millions of dollars in funding or, or whatever it is they're constantly out there trying to get people that that don't have a dapper account yet to sign up for one and you know to me i i, I want to continue leveraging that that arm and, and let them do the heavy lifting on the pure customer acquisition side but then for us it's like okay how like once people are in the door our job is to to keep them in the door essentially right provide them with that level of education and comfort and games to play and things to do and people to talk to a community to be a part of to me that that kind of stickiness and we've seen like great stickiness in terms of of customer retention and you know, people really enjoying the the product experience. So that that's really the the life cycle that that we've been looking at here. And as the the macro market grows, and as this goes more and more mainstream, just being top of mind and, and being a core part of that new user experience is is the goal at OTM. That's cool. That's a D of Discord. I assume is that how you're managing your community? We do. Yeah, yeah. We actually have three three different discords. Uh, right now and yeah we're we're launching our 
own actually like profile picture type of, of NFT called the the Jolly Jokers. Uh, that's going to be launching on Flow in October. And th- there's there's another element there where, where we're using that to like connect this ecosystem that, that we have. So even as you heard today, right? It's like, oh, we got the analytics and then we've got the owner's club and then we've got Rumble. Like there's a lot of different things going on, um, which has been you know, p- part of the fun of building that the past 18 months is just trying a bunch of different stuff, te- testing things out, see what works, see what doesn't. But the, the Jolly Jokers is going to kind of connect that ecosystem together. And one of the one of the things that we're super excited about is that our analytics site is, it's been free to date. It's going to be moving to a premium service behind paywall with a, a standard weekly, monthly, or annual subscription. But if you own one of our Jolly Joker NFTs, you can log into our website with your wallet. We check and verify that you own one of the NFTs, and then you automatically get lifetime access to the mm. premium content for for both Top Shot and for All Day. So I think that that's a, a pretty fun, innovative kind of like Web three subscription version of you know you're you're not just like signing on and paying with your credit card, but you're actually like owning something, and owning something unlocks a particular set of access. And I think. Well, you, you, you've think, got yeah. you've got like the you know if if people are willing to invest in you on the front end, then you're going to invest in them and continue to make the product better, right? Exactly. And whatever you decide the you know the the price is of the NFT is what you value at that point in order to let people have this lifetime access. So I get it, man. It's it makes a lot of sense, and you know at the and and it also adds value to the NFT. I mean, you know, everybody acts like speculation and price changes are bad. They're still a consideration. They just shouldn't be the only consideration. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and one of the things that I, that I'm proud of how we've approached it is that we, we built the products and utility before launching. NFT. <laughs> Whereas like most I mean, of the them, way, the way this space is most of the time, it's like, Hey, give us, you know, give us $2 million and then we're going to build all of these things. And then like, you know, meanwhile, you're just time, that shit never gets built. So <laughs> it's like um, the curse yeah. of the roadmap, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the whole, the whole culture of, of some of the space has been has been crazy. And like, we talked a little bit about discord, but the whole, like building a company and community in discord is like awesome, but it's also totally unprecedented where like the whole, your entire customer base just has like direct access to you and like a forum where they can just say wherever they want. And like, that's just not what it was like previously. You couldn't just at (laughs) CEOs and CTOs in discords and be like, yo, when are you going to do this? Or when are you going to do that? So I think we've seen it calm down a bit but uh yeah there's like very much a i want stuff i want it fast and i want it for free yeah and that's uh, (laughs) that's what a lot of nft holders are looking for but uh not always realistic yeah (laughs) but it uh, comes down to it yeah i know right i mean you get in there and the the colorful background if you're watching is uh the beans discord and uh, this has been a near and dear passion of mine, totally unrelated to sports, but, um, you know, it's a hard fork of this other community called the nouns Dow. Um, and you know, we have, we were friends, not in real life actually, but friends, like we were talking about, uh, just by virtue of having the similar interests and being introduced to another person that started as a, a WhatsApp group. Uh, then we all started to pile into this discord before it was even called beans discord. And now beans is finally launching. We're on testnet on the, on the Gorley testnet. We're testing it right now. And like all of a sudden you see this flood of people coming in that had just been sitting there on the periphery, you know, waiting for this to happen. Right. And now it's coming to fruition. And these people that are bonded by this long-term vision of the the founder, Jack Mashka, uh, of like his animation work, because that's really all that's out there, right? Like he's a great animator, uh, are now like, okay, now we've got the actual project coming behind this. And we've just been sitting there quietly, uh, just building strong communities in the background. And Discord can be overwhelming, man. I mean, if you get in there and you're in one of these hyped up NFT 
accounts and everybody's like win 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 uh and for the audience that's spelled w-e-n in this world uh <laughs> you know it's just that win culture as i call it and it's is just it's hard man and people just expect you to produce constantly they don't realize all the work that goes into building this stuff and then on top of that you get a lot of redundancies right a lot of the roadmaps are partner nft collaboration with some organization another derivative nft game metaverse and it's like yeah that was the board apes roadmap well the board apes are the exception they're not the rule mm -hmm. uh and so it's good to see this kind of like this bridge that you are building between people that may not even know they own nfts and top shots right like i own moments i own cards i own digital trading cards is what i own right yeah and you're building out this utility. And that's where I saw the gamification is like that level of engagement. You say you're doing a lot of things and you do need to link those ecosystems. But at the same time, what you're doing is, is you're, I mean, we all have short attention spans, right? Uh, yeah, we're going to continue to manage our portfolio, but eventually it just becomes part of habit to just go and see what challenges there were. I can achieve that. I can, I'm moving on, right? So how do you build something that allows people to spend more time with you? with your brand and it starts with fantasy sports, right? For you. Right. And then you're, you're going to start branching it out, which yeah, man, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's been a, a ton of fun. And one of the things that I've been kind of saying lately and kind of resonated with me as, as you were just talking there is that I feel like in this web three space, like we, we haven't really seen true business models come to fruition just yet. Like in my mind, we've basically seen, glorified ponzi schemes and we've seen people that are able to to capitalize off of big name ip like the nba and the nfl right and like <laughs> that's just where where things are at right now and you know the like the concept of of tokens and utility tokens i think is is super novel and, and so interesting but like every token that you look at has the same graph where it spikes up in the beginning and then it like sharply sells off and then it basically is irrelevant. And I mean, you've even seen it with like massively successful things like Axie and step in. And, and so like it, it, it's, it's just a, a unique challenge to solve for of what, what is the sustainable economic model where, you know, you're able to have this community, you're able to provide value to the community and the business is also able to to make money, right? And you know, it, it's sometimes those things are are at odds with each other. And you know, I've we've seen some of the big NFT projects going out and raising venture capital too. And I've seen debates on Twitter of like, well, once once these projects raise VC money, like, what's the product? It, it, the community is the product, and then what? Then it's just you're bleeding your community dry of of getting all of them to spend all their money. So like. All of these, all of these challenges have have presented itself in the past eighteen months, and I think it's great because it's it's learning experiences. We've got some like actual use cases of of what works or what doesn't work, and frankly, mostly we just have a a bunch of use cases of like, okay, well, this doesn't work, and that doesn't work, and this also doesn't work, and I, I'm confident that that over you know the next three years, we'll we'll start to see some things that are built with a a longer term sustainable ecosystem economic situation in mind. And uh, it's, yeah, it's really like people are out here developing new, new ways to create and run a business. And uh, it's exciting to be kind of right in the, right in the thick of it. It's almost like someone finally identified truly or not identified or is trying to identify what, what a true value capture is. Right. Cause it, it seemed to be one way for a long time. Right. Uh, but, that didn't negate the fact that by owning an NFT, you are invested in whatever that NFT signifies, right? So you have an incentive to promote that NFT, to talk about it, to do all that. But like it, it, early on, it was just about price, right? Um, there is digital art is making a big footprint. All the major auction houses are investing in it. Uh, and you know, there are obviously, uh, a lot of people who are bridging from fine art 
to digital art. The MoMA sold $70 million worth of art so they can start to make room for this digital renaissance that is coming. But that doesn't support these astronomical <laughs> prices, right? It creates a new category for sure, but that doesn't negate all of the shit, frankly, that has been released. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a, bi a big debate in the sports NFT world is this idea of like collectible versus gamification and like all of that. And one of the things that has kind of stuck out to me is like something something becomes a collectible over time, right? Like, yeah. the, you know, the, the reason that a, a Michael Jordan physical sports card that's signed by him is a collectible is because he had an amazing career over, you know, and like years of that. Right. And so there's something to this, like, Hey, look, this, this right here, this is an NFT. It is a collectible. It's like, well, it's only a collectible if the market deems it to be so. And so, you know, you can't like force it, I guess is, is what I would say of just being like, Oh no, trust me, this is a collectible. Like to me, yeah. things become collectibles over time. You can't just like force it into like, Hey, yeah, I, I, I swear this is a collectible. So I think that's also been, you know, interesting too. The, basically the sample sizes on all of this stuff is just so small and it was, you know, and, and so like outrageously hyped up. And then they like, it, there's just not, you know, going, going back to the original conversation, analytics and data sample <laughs> size is always something that comes up. And like, we just don't have the sample size yet. We're, we're, we're getting there and yeah. we're seeing, like I said, use cases pop up. But uh, you just can't force it into to being a certain direction. Like you kind of just have to let the market play out the way that it does. And that's another reason where like one of the things I always say with the team is is we like it's good to have you know a big vision and a long term plan. But like you can't marry yourself to anything other than the next six months because I mean everything is so new that the whole macro landscape could change in six months. And so. It's about that perfect blend of like having a big vision and a, and a long-term goal, but also being like very willing to adapt and change at the drop of a hat based on what happens in the, the industry around us. I love that. I love that. I actually, uh, I was listening to, to uh, I think we have a mutual listen in Gabriel Layden talking about how what that characteristic, the ability to have the conviction to move forward at all costs but also be willing to pivot off of something you've been working on for six months if the market changes. That is essential. That dynamic capability, that ability to respond to a change in the market like we're experiencing right now is going to be what sets people apart. That's that's an awesome explanation of everything and your philosophies there. I totally dig it. I think that the audience will love to hear how the sports side of NFTs is doing. I mean, I think, you know, if I if I'm trying to cater to this everything kind of web three, uh, podcast, uh, I have spent a lot of time on the art side. Uh, and so beginning to dive deeper into the sports side where an obvious use case has been there, but no one has built it yet. You know, maybe, maybe own the moment is it. I love that. Um, so I usually close these interviews with two closing questions. Uh, the first one is how do you describe web three? Web three. Oh, great, great, great question here. I mean, for, for me, Web3 is, is about the fact that you can digitally connect with, with other people. And, you know, I mean, the, the what is it, the, the read, write, own, like Web123. Chris Dixon thing, yeah. Traditional answer. But for me, it's about a, a way to kind of digitally express your identity and, you know, people like... I envision a future world where people's digital collections are like truly an expression of, of what they're a fan of and whether that's sports or art or music. Right. And web three for the first time allows people to, to truly own that stuff rather than it sitting on, on other platforms, essentially. Um, I think it's really unlocking this idea of, the creator economy and the fact that, you know, value created is more equal to value earned. Right. And like allowing the people that are creating value, however that value may be. And, and those people having the ability to directly financially or whatever it is benefit from and 
interact with with their communities in in a more one-to-one way than ever before whereas you know historically there's always some kind of middleman sitting in between any of those transactions and to an to a certain extent there always there always will be i mean i'm not like a a full decentralization maxi i just don't think it's realistic i think people actually like having a centralized thing that they can trust i mean shit people like if people forget their password they want to be able to just access put in a new password and and get get access to the money right so like i I, i'm i'm more probably in like the web 2.5 ish nature but I, i do think that like that concept of pure ownership is is really what made it in web three for me. And like, you know, for, for me, it, it obviously changed my life just from like a personal standpoint and a career standpoint and, you know, gave me an opportunity. I've always had this kind of entrepreneurial itch and the bug, but never really had the, the right thing to, to go all in on. And I'll, I'll always be grateful for web three because it, it gave me that scenario to, to take the chance and, like I said, like we said back in the beginning, whether or not it works out, like it, hundred percent the right decision for me, and like changed my perspective on a on a ton of different things. So I could not be more grateful for what Web three can provide. That's that's awesome, and I think inherent in what you're saying is that Web three allows people to uh, build an identity based on what they do as opposed to the perception around where they've been at certain points and stuff like that. It's more authentic to the person uh, because it's a very intentional thing. Most of these things that you collect, whether they're something like a proof of attendance, a pro app, uh, or they are, you know, actually purchasing some sort of digital asset or real asset, right? Because guess what? That's coming, right? A lot of people are spending a lot of money trying to link these two worlds. Um, you just get a more authentic ver- view of the person and you also build more authentic connections. Um, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, my traditional closing question is, uh, you know, where do you see yourself and Web3 in the next six to 12 months? And then where do you see yourself in Web3 in the next five to 10 years? Uh, feel free to be as audacious as humanly possible in the long term, baby. <laughs> Love it. <clears throat> Love it. So yeah, the, the next six to 12 months, I'll keep going with my theme here of, of education, because I think that's, that's what's going to be most critical over the course of the next year. The last year and a half did a great job of driving general awareness of, you know, I would say at this point, most people have at least heard of an NFT. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they understand it or like it or get it, but they at least are aware of it. And like, that's, that's the first step. And I think the next 12 months and and maybe even a little bit more honestly is about softening the blow a bit and and getting that next level deeper of understanding and helping people realize that it's not just all about these like get rich quick schemes and it's not just about you know flipping jpegs for massive amounts of money but it's actually about the thing that the technology can unlock uh, i think like communities and memberships is is a pretty key part of that and and so yeah, that, that's where I kind of see the space going in the next 12 months for for me personally and for Own the Moment. It's continuing on the the journey that we've been on and, and really expanding the the products and services that, that we provide, particularly with expanding to, to new sports. So we've been very dialed into the NBA Top Shot and NFL all-day worlds. Uh, that's also where just most of the traffic and interest has been. So it makes sense for, for us to be narrowed in there, but definitely want to expand to the other sports NFTs and, and, you know, been talking with, with some of the other groups and and looking for partnership opportunities. And, you know, basically like we provide a, a way where we're not only educating the consumers, but we can benefit businesses because we have that community of, of highly engaged, highly active, affluent users that are into the space. And so, you know, people that are, are into Top Shot all day, they should be into MLB candy and upcoming suite with the NHL and autograph and PGA. Like there's all these different sports NFTs that are that are happening. And we, we plan to to be a core piece of all of that. And then, the, the, yeah, five, five to 10 years. I mean, that, that's where I think I said this earlier, but I, I think that in some way blockchain becomes 
a part of, of everyday life and people don't even realize it. For, for me, one of the use cases that, that really excites me is this idea of, of ticketing and tying to in real life experiences. So, you know, we've already seen like Ticketmaster and Flow have, have some sort of deal, right? And I think the NFL is involved in there too. But I think over the next couple of years, when you're attending a, a sporting event or a concert, like your ticket is in itself an, an NFT and it's tied to your wallet and you you go to the game and that's what you're scanning in with. Again, it's going to feel exactly the way it feels today where you're scanning your phone, but it's going to be tied to your wallet. And then to me, what that unlocks is things like, okay, you know, I go, I go to a, an Eagles game and after the Eagles game, because they have a, also a partnership with NFL all day, it's like there's an exclusive Jalen Hurts moment from that Eagles game. And the only way that you can get that is if you were actually at the game. And and that's like a true collectible experience, right? Like I, I would love if I could just like look in my digital wallet and basically see every single sporting event or every single concert that I've ever been to. And then also I have like a, you know, a unique little moment of from when I was at that game. I'm like, oh yeah, I was at this game back in, you know, 2015 and here's a play that happened from that game. Like, again, I think that that's cool use cases that that can can kind of go mainstream. It's not about like I'm not trying to to get that in my wallet so that I can sell it and make money. But it's like actually this experience of, of community and such. So I think, you know, the, the the intersection between in real life events and NFTs and the digital wallet is is really what's going to to break things open mainstream. And like we said, people won't even know that it's happening. Yeah, it just sounds like it's like a more accurate profile, like just building on your earlier point uh, when you were describing Web3 of like, hey, this isn't necessarily about you being worth more money. This is about who you are. And you've never been able to have that kind of disintermediation of you and your teams and you and your experiences without the blockchain. Right. And now it's going to be possible. So great what a what a great way to close man this has been freaking awesome i've loved this conversation uh i can't wait to to share it with everybody and uh thanks for coming on yeah thanks so much for having me really enjoy all the stuff that that you're doing here and uh excited to see where things go in the next six months to 10 years (laughs) to 10 years (laughs) all right thanks thanks for tuning in to web3 with me if you enjoyed the show and want to help us grow please hit the subscribe button on YouTube or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter at Zach underscore French underscore.